Second Bananas is recorded on unceded indigenous land belonging to the Musqueam, Squamish, and Tsleil-Waututh nations. Unceded means that this land was never surrendered, relinquished, or handed over in any way. We support the various strategies that indigenous peoples use to protect their land and their communities, and we commit to working in solidarity with them. We acknowledge that as people living and working on these lands, we are accountable to those who have cared for this land since time immemorial. It is our intention to continue learning how to honor this responsibility. Hey everyone, it's Joe. I just wanted to let you know that we recorded this episode before Charisma Carpenter detailed the abuse she suffered at the hands of Joss Whedon on the set of Angel, and all the other cast and crew came out with their own stories and to support her. All four of us absolutely believe everything she said, as well as all the other cast and crew's stories, and we support them 100%. Um, The only thing we address in the episode is, of course, Kai Cole's letter about Joss Whedon, but all of these stories should be believed, and had we had that information at the time, we absolutely would have discussed that further. But as we kept saying in the episode, we're not focusing on Joss. We're focusing on Sarah Michelle Gellar and her contributions to Buffy the Vampire Slayer, and uh, that was what we really tried to do with this episode. We really hope we did a good job, and we hope you like it. Thanks, and enjoy the episode. Yeah, <laughs> right. Wes is Ontarian originally, so oh, yeah. yeah, it's not you, good to have a. You need a car there too, but I mean, not I if you're in Toronto. My friends' cars. True, it's actually bad to have a car in Toronto. I Even here, it's hard. Like, it's not like easy. I like we have a shared car, me and Michelle, but like I find it frustrating some days because yeah. I'm just like I can't go and like my friend is like, yeah. I got Our, this stuff, come get it, and I'm like, oh, it's like a yeah. bus trip across town. When we first moved here to the West End, our car rusted up because we just never used it after driving it, like from Ontario. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Ooh, yeah. I can see why it would do that too. Going yeah. From, just like we went to start it one day and it's like, it's not working. Going from it's like, oh, maybe it's because we haven't end. driven it in like four months. <laughs> yeah. The dry <laughs> middle of Ontario to yeah. like, the coast, the, the, corro- the corrosive coast. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> it, it would be just a matter of time. Yeah. Totally. It's going, but yeah, uh, should we should we you know, should we hop to it? Should we jump to the yeah? The podcast? I talk Are you about Sandeep? Do you someone. finally want to talk about what you're here to talk about? Yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> okay. uh, I right. mean, I'm enjoying this too. Okay, well, <laughs> if I just want to completely pivot. That's fine. Okay, cool. Uh, yeah, let's just let's, let's hard happens. pivot. We'll do the okay. Uh, well, welcome to Second Bananas, the podcast where we talk about history's greatest Garfunkels, uh, aka the clout behind the clout that you didn't know about. Uh, my name's Joe. Hey, I'm Wes. And I'm Craig. And with us today, we have our first ever guest, very special guest and friend of the pod, Sandy Pundal. Hey. Welcome. <laughs> Yay. Uh, for, so yeah, you enjoy the privilege of being the first guest ever on the show. Uh, hold that over the other guests with uh, sanctimonious glee. I will do that forever. No, I'm very honored. Thank you so much for having me. And yeah, I, I like your guys' podcast. I think the last episode I listened to was the Luigi Pandemisode. Yes, the, <laughs> the classic Mario- Luigi-sode. 
Yeah. Um, I, I love Luigi should be our mascot. <laughs> I think he might be. He might have yeah. to be. No, go on. You were saying what you loved about Oh, yeah. Um, I love the bold declaration <laughs> that on. Mario is just straight up a sociopath. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> I also really liked the theory that he actually has several siblings and they're all just become Luigi. <laughs> I think that, I, that that's going to be, I'm going to make, I'm going to, on, a, on a, a war path to make that canon. That will There's be an canon. Evangelion Ray Vat of Luigi somewhere funny, up there in the Mario verse. I was talking to my friend yesterday about the podcast. He's like, Yeah, I was like listening to your podcast and I started getting really frustrated because it was the Luigi episode and you guys were talking about the Mushroom Kingdom, but you kept saying the Mario Kingdom instead of the Mushroom Did Kingdom. Did we really? So apparently one of us oh was like God. the Mario Kingdom. And now That's I'm like, cool. It was probably me, but, uh, but it's also <laughs> I funny. Hope it's not me. I always find when a podcast does that, I actually, I get frustrated, but I'm also really engaged by the podcast because then I'm like, oh no, that's wrong. I got to like, oh, and I don't have anyone to tell, but. Are they going to notice? Are they going to correct? They will notice. You're watching for it. So let's make on purpose errors. Uh, I don't do them on purpose, but there will be errors. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. That's the best kind of error. Uh, Today we are talking about none other than Sarah Michelle Geller. SMG, as SMG, I learned, some people call her. Apparently, Moments ago, submachine yeah. gun. I wonder if <laughs> her friends call her submachine gun ever. <laughs> um, so I, I guess so. this was sort of my idea. Um, what I wanted more specifically to talk about was uh, Sarah Michelle Geller as sort of a second banana to Joss Whedon in both in terms of the credit for the creation and the sort of the bringing to life of the character of Buffy and, and I think the success of Buffy, the vampire slayer in general. Um, (laughs) I I think like there was like, I mean, we're going to have to talk about Joss Whedon a bit, obviously, which is already like a fun topic to talk about for sure. Um, But I just, I just think like she, for a long time, she didn't get enough credit. And there was sort of like a quiet because like uh, people sort of felt like she kind of like, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong on this, but I felt feel like at the time when she left the series, there was like a big fan reaction of like, how could she do that? I don't know. Maybe I'm Hmm. not remembering it right. I don't know. I think, no, I think you're right because I think if I'm like, correct me if I'm wrong, because I have, I've not seen Buffy in its entirety. And I've actually, I've, I've. I remember seeing a bunch of episodes kind of like as they were on, but never really sequentially, but I feel that it left at like its height. Oh, for sure. Fans are never going to be happy when you leave something at its like, I mean, I think it had a few like less than less stellar seasons to be honest, but like we should talk about this. This is, yeah, yeah. But, um, that's what I feel. If there was like a fan backlash, do you mean quality? I, I think, think qual- I think quality. But I think I'm season not seven sure. was a strong ending. I don't know. I don't. I don't know what you guys all think. Uh, Sandeep's kind of. Like, mm. mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's it's actually one of my least favorite seasons. Oh really? Ah, Interesting. I think it started really strong. Um, ultimately, there was just so many other characters, like the potentials, and yes. it's frustrating. I'm about to end a show that I've loved for so many years, and there's suddenly so many characters I'm supposed to care about. That's true. Yeah. Cool. But uh, I mean. It's still good. Still Buffy. Yeah. I think like for sure in terms of like a, a very like a, a kind of a neat and like the, I think the the final the the end of the series was sort of like at the very least hit the right the sort of like it's like like there are much worse like final scenes for for season season finales and series finales in my opinion. I don't know. I, I kind of like the the final whole 
you'll have to oh. tell me what that is if we have a spoiler alert. oh yeah because, oh i think like, like generally I i'm just gonna know. say i should have said this before we got into <laughs> this but right up front like there's gonna be we're just gonna spoil everything like if you haven't seen a, a like a, a 25 year old show by this point i haven't i haven't seen this it. podcast <laughs> okay off. oh you okay guys seen goodbye okay see bye you, Wes. see you after All the right. podcast <laughs> no. um, just okay you can back. spoil it for me um yeah spoilers alert spoilers spoilers she alert. kills the final vampire she, she Ooh, yeah. the head the head Man. vampire sorry buddy she kills the head vampire <laughs> so yes. i did find out also that that in french the title is buffy contre les vampires which is cut buffy versus the vampires cut which buffy. is a great title too i mean it's it not good. it doesn't have the catchiness of buffy the vampire slayer but yeah it's not yeah. quite as badass but it's pretty epic it sound, really it's is got a, uh, it's got a badassery to it yeah and that's kind of what i wanted to focus on was i think um i like i i'm i'm an aspiring tv writer and part of my opinion is that i think um writers and actors uh have like a much more symbiotic relationship than people think and i think that's what's really important and i do think like as much as there was like kind of like people were like whatever about sarah michelle geller i think um there is a quote from Joss Whedon where he said, um, it would be difficult to overemphasize Sarah's value to the show. There have been times that we didn't get along, which that's an understatement. <laughs> um, there have been times when we've palled around, but no matter what, she was the other half of Buffy. In seven years, she never let me down, which I think is like a really true thing. And also he like, I think he does under, like I think for all of Whedon's like messed up faults and everything and like, every shitty thing he's done which is a lot i i think like he he does recognize the value that actors bring to uh writing and to to like a writer's work to a writer's script and he does definitely write for actors he doesn't he's not a writer who writes for sort of like what they hear in their head in my opinion um but i don't know i'd be happy to hear do you think he was still this or... actor when he do you think he was still that type of director when he started buffy like he's always been that type of director i think to buffy, a certain like, extent. one of his first things was it his first thing it was his first like thing yeah. that got big like he'd written scripts before he'd never like show yeah. run or had like an on an ongoing series um i've heard he was difficult to work with i don't know just something i've heard um and yeah, it sounds I like always... but I didn't. I didn't know. I didn't know that he, like this until like reading up it that he had only kind of just been getting in the game at the time of Buffy. Mm-hmm. Well, because I always he had I always, he like, written some he was, like, scripts. Firefly. Oh well, Firefly was like Firefly. Nobody did. Yeah, that was after. That was after Buffy was a hit. But right. yeah, he wasn't like an. So name I think I confused that. Until, I think I confused that as being yeah. until like Buffy season four or five was really when people started to sort of take note. I guess I don't know. I feel like my time frame for this is all messed up. Yeah, I'm. I'm just wondering, like, if he like evolved those like his his better known traits like on the set of Buffy or like. Was he already established as like this is my directing style and like? Well, he wasn't a director. Take it or leave it. I think. He's the, yeah, he, Buffy well, he wasn't. Was, uh, Buffy he wasn't was a director. Buffy. Directed. Yeah, Buffy, he, and he wasn't even like the pilot. Yeah. He didn't direct till like season two or three. He's oh, a writer really? mainly. Oh, so he was just a writer on the first season of Buffy. Yeah, well, he he was the oh. showrunner. He created um, the show. He started as a right. writer. Sorry, he directed. Writer. I think, um, or he directed the finale of season one. I think that's but, what yeah. it was. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Interesting. Okay, I didn't know he didn't direct any of the season one episodes. Yeah. Um. That's another thing is that apparently, like I've heard other quotes like this, like uh, 
Sarah Michelle Gellar kind of talks about it that he was like apparently he'd never directed anything before he didn't know camera angles and apparently the crew was terribly unsupportive which I don't know I it's I've been on a crew where a director doesn't know what they're doing and it's it's extremely frustrating uh, I yeah. it's very frustrating um, especially when they don't know what they want so I don't want to like also say that whatever too. I don't know I don't I don't know the dynamics but but at the same time yeah. like I mean, everyone's got to learn somewhere. It's just normally you don't you don't have a. I think there's like a quote from him saying like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I used Buffy the Vampire Slayer as my seven year film school." Yeah, and that's kind of what I was getting at. I thought that this would have been more of a learning ground, or like kind of he's like cutting his teeth, like making Buffy as sure. opposed to being like a very well established like mm-hmm. uh, set in his ways director. I would say so for sure. I don't think he was a direct. I think he was already like a, a pretty developed writer. I think. He, he was still younger and still new, but like his voice was apparent from the start of Buffy. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so then is the is the yeah, issue he that he, <laughs> he yeah he did he worked on Toy Story he wrote a bunch right. of really? uh, he, he well he did script doctoring for a while which I've still heard that that doesn't really I've heard very from various people that doesn't really exist and I think it's more like writers get known as doing being able to do a punch up on a script and either add jokes or like sort of fix the story issues or whatever. And they get brought in and the title, I don't think whether or not script doctor is used, that's what he was basically doing for a while. Mm -hmm. He wrote toy story. He wrote a bunch of lines for X-Men. Most of the the (sighs) funny lines and the funny lines in the X-Men movie were his. Wait, the Brian Singer one or the animated series? The Brian Singer one. (laughs) Wow. We're just hitting all the problematic <laughs> directors today. <laughs> so wait, was the issue that he kind of used the show as a platform for him to get into directing? And yeah, he, every, the, the whole crew needed to kind of go along for the ride. I, I think the sort of like, I don't think people were like, not were like, like super, that wasn't really the problem. Like there were other problems that I think we should talk about very briefly and then move on. Sure. Yes. Uh, but th- th- I, you just like, yeah, when you're on a crew and you get a new director who doesn't know what they're doing at all, especially, especially if they're a writer, <laughs> like there's a lot of, of internal frustration with that. So, sure. yeah. um, yeah, I don't want to yeah. talk too much more about Joss Whedon. I think I found this quote from, Joss. uh, at Jeremy Monjo, Jeremy spelled like the normal name, M O N J O. Um, uh, Joss Whedon will always be chasing that six-year window or so when his horniness was also inextricably tied to the march of social progress. <laughs> That's like such a good summation of like what happened with Joss Whedon. Um, so what did happen with Joss Whedon? I don't think I know any of the scandal Joss Whedon scandals. Well, <laughs> tell me about the Joss Whedon. Scandals. You are in for a treat. Uh, <laughs> um. So I think that, well, the big one was that his ex-wife wrote a big letter explaining that he very controlling in their marriage um, and had a bunch of, she, she, I think she said both emotional and physical affairs with uh, a bunch of actresses on various shows that he worked on. Uh, Does not surprise me. Right. Um, Okay. Mm -hmm. And yeah, she said, oh, I think the big line at the end was sort of like, yeah, I think I want people who worship him to know that he is human and the organizations giving him awards for his feminist work to think twice in the future about honoring the man who does not practice what he preaches. Um, mm. But no matter what happens or how people interpret the statement, I no longer have to carry the burden of Joss's long-term deceit and confessions. I am free. Um, mm. that, that was a letter that she wrote for the rap, uh, Kai Cole, his ex-wife. Um, that came out 2017. And there had already kind of been... 
I don't know. There had already been kind of stuff like people talking about this, like already sort of reevaluating mm-hmm. how just how feminist, quote unquote, Joss Whedon's stuff was. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think it's good that we have a woman here tonight uh, to talk about that as well. <laughs> Uh, not to, that you have to speak huh. for all women, just speak for yourself. Well, but I'm not speak for all yeah, women. I don't know what would you like. <laughs> yes. I don't know, Please. Sandeep. How like you grew up? Like I think you grew up with Buffy the Vampire Slayer sort of being on TV, right? So yeah, um, it was on TV when I was young. I watched a little bit of it. Like I remember watching The Gift and crying, even though and like yeah. speculating was gonna happen it wasn't until i was in high school that i went back and bought all the dvd box sets and then so i would say high school i became like extremely exposed to buffy yeah uh joss whedon created this show buffy the vampire slayer he's extremely horny for women to beat him up uh people thought that was feminism (laughs) oh Uh, i guess he directed the avengers movie and then his wife talked about it and yeah i i i don't want to get into much more about joss unless it involves sarah because i think we're talking about sarah today so SMG. Yeah. Um, so Sarah Michelle Geller has been acting, had been acting since the age of four. Uh, we'll put in the, a link in the show notes uh, along with all the stuff we just talked about. But um, yeah, she was in a bunch of Burger King commercials, one of them with Seth Green, who would play Oz. What? Um, I didn't know they were in one together. Yeah, they've been friends since they were like seven years old or something. Wow, because I saw her Burger King commercial, but I didn't see one with him. He's in the, it's the one where she's like, it's like the noir detective solving the mystery of Burger King cookies. (laughs) Yeah, very cute. I'll have to go into the Burger King archives. I think, I mean, (laughs) yeah, well, I've linked it all in the show notes. You can just, you can just go to the show notes. Um, She was apparently banned from McDonald's because the Burger King ad, what they actually, there was a lawsuit over it. So she was not allowed to eat at McDonald's for like years. Um, and not she couldn't go to all. all her friends' birthday parties. Yo, the fast food wars. <laughs> yeah, I like, know. The fast right? food wars were no joke. They did not take prisoners in the fast food wars. No, they didn't. Well, I'm like, do you think they had a picture of this, like, you know, eight year old girl up at every McDonald's? <laughs> not <laughs> See, this girl from girl. the Burger King ad, she cannot come in, just like yeah. this 16 year old, like, fry <laughs> cook, like, okay. Ridiculous. Yeah. Show up at the birthday party uh, and there's, like, security by the orange drink. I'm sorry. Sorry, Miss Kelly. You can't come in. I'm really sorry. I loved you. I loved you in Swan's Crossing, but I can't let you in. <laughs> so yeah the, probably stands she did a bunch of other stuff she's in an episode of spencer for hire which uh one of the side characters in that was um this guy named hawk who was played by avery brooks who went on to play C- commander cisco in deep space nine whoa and armin okay, shimmerman who played too. quark in deep space nine is principal what? snyder from buffy Ooh. yeah works in other things where he's not a ferengi yeah, he does. He, he it's you can tell because he has the voice right away. Wes, oh you really God. need to watch Buffy the Vampires. I do. I thought you'd seen it. I have. I've seen episodes, oh, but okay. I mean, never You're in se- never in sequence. You're missing out. Yeah, um, I think I am. I need yeah. to catch up on this. I guess we didn't really. Craig, have you seen the show? Have you what? Did you watch the show? I mean, I watched some of it on TV when it was in the mix. Right. But it was not something that I was dedicated to. Um, okay, I'm definitely cool. familiar with most of the deal, but yeah, I wouldn't right. be familiar with all the characters. To be honest, I remember like being at, I remember being mad at it growing up because it used to come on the Space Channel in Canada, mm. and I remember being, "This is so fucking not space." <laughs> 
<laughs> there's no space at all. There's just like sexy yeah, like, hunky vampires. Yeah, real yeah. purist over here. Yeah, fantasy. But, yeah, fantasy will do it. But I think the episodes that I did see when it was like on a different network, I enjoyed it. Okay, cool. I get it. I get it. I think there is like one episode with aliens or something from outer space, isn't there? I don't know. Maybe not. Um, episode, season four, episode two, her like roommate is an alien. It re- is revealed. Kathy. Uh, oh, that's okay. right. No, okay. I, only, yeah, I know. I, I haven't, I hadn't, wa- I haven't watched the show in like four or five years now. And I actually watched, I think I watched halfway through season two. That was all I've managed to get through before this recording. I'm going to finish it, but it's really Fair good. Enough. I just, you know. I rewatch it like once a year. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like a pilgrimage. When I used to be bored at work, I would just sit there and like try to list mm-hmm. every single episode title. 22 episodes, yeah. 27 seasons. And you know what? I, I can do it and probably still could. Wow. Nice. Okay. We're going to put that at the end though. We're not going to do, we'll do that. We'll make you list every episode at the end. Uh, <laughs> no. Um, so yeah, Sarah Michelle Gellar uh, acting since age four commercials had a bunch of guest spots on TV shows. She did a pilot for uh, this amazing variety show called Girl Talk, which, um, again, also mm-hmm. Link. Um, it's really good. Soleimu and Fry, the new kids on the block are in it. It's peak, like, late 80s, early 90s stuff. Uh, she was also really in a show good. called Swan's Crossing, which was basically, like, the PGT version, t- PGTV version of, um, of Cruel Intentions, interestingly enough. It was about oh, a bunch of, like, really? rich kids in an elite school. Really? Um, wow. So she was born to play that role. I think like what's interesting is like looking at her her childhood and and where she and everything she did. It's like she really is like the role the character of Buffy in a lot of ways. Like obviously she's not Buffy, but I think a lot of this stuff brought her experiences that she could really draw on for the Buffy role. Um like she was she she um, started acting at age four and I think you see like she spent her whole life on set. So she's not only comfortable there, but understands the like the dynamic of being on set and sort of like the, 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 the way you have to be like very professional and in focus, but also sort of like loose and able to go with the flow at the same time. Mm-hmm. Okay, well, that really brings me back to her, to the quote of hers that you read about how the, initially the crew were all very uncooperative or, or whatever, unsupportive, sorry, was, yeah. was the word that would really stand out to somebody like that who grew up in that mm. setting. Right. If, yeah. And I think she believed in the vision of the show from the beginning. And I think that was sort of why she was on, on Joss Sweden's side in that case. Right. Um, I think she saw what he was going for. And I think that's a big part of why she could bring what everything she brought to the role um, but I, like Buffy, she, her parents were separated, but her father was just not in the picture at all. And I think it's funny because on the show, basically, I think Buffy's dad appears in like two episodes and then we just never see him again. It's sort of implied he's in her life, but like, um, but like one of the first episodes in the first season is like, they're all, their worst nightmares all come true. And her worst nightmare is him telling her that their divorce was her fault. And yeah. that to me is like one of the scenes where it's like, you see what the series is about. Cause like the way, and again, like her performance sells it cause she doesn't play it like over the top or freaking out. It's like exactly how a teenager would internalize that kind of like a parent telling them that kind of nightmare shit. Like it's very quiet. She's just like kind of starts crying and like the way she delivers the lines is just like really great scene. Really great scene. Yeah. Uh, so Sand- so good at those oh my Sandeep, god! What episode is that from? Yeah, what episode, Sandeep? 
Uh, one ten nightmares. <laughs> nice. Oh, you, actually do you actually are a catalog. Okay, sweet. I'll uh, check that one out. This episode is just going to be like w- <laughs> increasingly asking for episodes instead of giving them with an increasingly exaggerated tone. Uh, um, and for the record, Hank Summers is a piece of garbage because when Buffy's mom died, sorry, spoiler, spoilers, um, he doesn't show up at all. That's true. I never thought of that. John wow. is just there Fucking being like Summers. by the Scoobies and Hank Summers is nowhere to be seen. It's true. So. He never shows up. Do they even, Not they don't even friend. have like a funeral. Do they? I don't think there was a. For Buffy? No, for, um, for Joyce. For Spoiler. No, they do. They have a, they have a funeral. It's in the next episode. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah, and he doesn't show up for that even. Jesus. Come on, Hank. Um, uh, but yeah. So she said, basically, oh, my father is not in the picture. Uh, he's not a person who exists in my life. Uh, I, uh, just because you donate sperm does not make you a father. I don't have a father. I would never give him the credit to acknowledge him as my father. So strong feelings, right. strong choice. Go, Sarah. When did they get divorced? Like, was that she was... Like, I don't, I don't know, have it here. It. it was very okay. young. But young, young, young. Yeah, yeah. like, like okay. when she was like, I think before she even started acting. So, um, but she does have a lot to say about her mother. Apparently her mom was like sometimes just barely able to pay the rent. But because Sarah was getting acting work and uh, got a scholarship, she attended an elite Manhattan school. And it sounded like she was basically like exactly what she was an outcast there. Um. So that all kind of just goes right to all the things she brought to the role of Buffy, right? So, um, little underdog. Her big role before she um, she she started Buffy was uh, as Kendall Hart on All My Children, and like if you know about daytime soap sets, like those are one of the most like grueling shows to work on. It's like long hours, you're on set all day, stuff like that. Um, so mm. yeah, it really, I think her work ethic really shows. Um, I linked a bunch of, um, videos of behind the scenes footage and most of it is like shot by, uh, stunt people, interestingly enough. And it's mostly the, her stunt double, but when she is in it, you can really see on when she's on set, she's like concentrating, she's in the mode, she's not talking to people. She's just really like staying in character. So, yeah. Great work ethic. Yeah, very. So, um, she had originally auditioned for the role of Cordelia Chase, um, the, the rich, um, the mean girl, basically. Yeah, she's. Yeah, that's like that's, that's barely a supporting role. I feel. And charisma originally auditioned for Buffy too, yeah. or she auditioned for Buffy as well. Yep, um, that's another thing I had down here is that Charisma Carpenter. A lot of people who came back on the series auditioned for roles like uh, Charisma Carpenter, Julie Benz, who played Darla, Mercedes McNabb, Harmony, and Elizabeth Ann Allen, who played the Amy the Witch, also auditioned. Um, Katie Holmes was apparently offered the role, but turned it down. And like, thank God, yeah, can you imagine like the show? She can't even. I don't think. I don't think I've ever seen Katie Holmes lift a leg like above her kneecap. <laughs> That's the criteria. I don't. <laughs> she's, I don't think she's ever. Vampires, I, mean, I don't think she's ever maybe. been in an action sequence in like a single movie she's been yeah, in. I don't think so. I can't either. think yeah. of one. Even in Batman, like, did yeah. she do anything actiony in it? And then they replaced her like in the next movie because they're like, you know what, you're not actiony enough for this movie. Technically, she like didn't really want her to do it. But yeah, anyway. that's probably part of it that's too. True. She was, yeah, she's yeah, that would have been around that time. Has yeah. it been that long? I'm so old. 
Yeah, but was so wait was Buffy around the same time as Dawson's Creek? Was that the same? Was that co? Um, Did she turn down Buffy to do Dawson's Creek? Well, Buffy maybe? was ninety seven to two thousand three. I think Dawson's. Okay, was yeah, that's too. earlier. I think no, it I think was so. earlier. Not much. Maybe a bit earlier. Earlier, yeah. They were of like yeah. an oeuvre because, like, it, it is funny. Like, I watched the show Dawson's Creek. Uh, I watch the show now, and it's so much like no nineteen ninety eight, two thousand three. Ninety eight. Okay. Wow. So overlap because like there were a lot of those like teen dramas at the time, like um, like there was like Dawson's Creek, Felicity, and then like stuff like Buffy and then Roswell was around the same time. It might have been a little later, but it was mm-hmm. sort of that mix of like like new teen drama with like and then some of them had supernatural elements and stuff like that. So um, and it is like there's a lot of the same like like tropes and like moves, I guess, in them, I would call it like having the best friend and the, the the nerdy best friends hook up and stuff like that, et cetera. Yeah. But, but Buffy just does it in such a different way. Um, yeah. And like speaking it. of uh, lifting your leg over your head, Wes, important criteria right. for you. Um, Sarah Michelle Geller did have a kick. brown belt in Taekwondo that apparently helped her land the role. Oh, she could. She could, so, she could do those kicks. Yeah. You got to be able to do those kicks. I think that's pretty far along in the belts. If I'm not mistaken. Right. I'm no yeah, it is. It's, I think it's just before black. Yeah. Might be. Um, if my judo belts are the same. Uh, I think this is a similar system. I don't know. I got to yeah, yellow belt yeah. and I quit. And That's the first belt, Joe. I know. No, it's the second belt. White <laughs> is the first belt. See, right. white is the first confused. belt. And then you show up the next week and they give you a yellow one just for going back. Yeah. Um, <laughs> for peeing your pants at the first class. You made oh. it. <laughs> yellow belt. Pee jokes. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> no, that, that came out meaner than I meant it. I like that. I li- um, no. And, uh, yeah, I think, uh, basically uh, she was already sort of a seasoned pro for sure. Like, I don't know what else to call her. Like she'd been acting since she was four. She just turned 18. Um, she won yeah. yeah, she won a fucking Emmy. Like she's not like, right. you're already not messing Emmy, around. Right? Yeah. This is post daytime yeah. Emmy. So, wow. um, so she's got. She's got like a, yeah, she's got credentials. Oh my God. And that's the thing is like, I think she sells that role in every way. And that's sort of what, like there was an interview where they were talking about it. And that's what Joss Whedon was kind of saying is like, you need someone who is both able to pull off the action and the, and the, the fun side of it. Like you need someone who can deliver those, those teenage like quirky lines right along with the serious and still be believable in the drama and the, and the action and everything. And it's like, yeah, Sarah Michelle Geller really is uh, that she can she can deliver all those things in a believable but relatable way, I would say. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I completely agree. She's so she's so in, she's so endearing. Um, like her line delivery, the way she does things, like she doesn't come across as someone who's trying to be a TV star. Buffy is so like relatable. Yeah, for sure. I think like that too. And she's good at like even she's even good at like because like. Joss Whedon's dialogue, not everyone can do it. It's, it's, and it's tricky and it's, some of it's not, has not aged well, I think, especially in the early episodes of Buffy. And that's just, but like, like, I think like a good example of that is when she tells Angel, like, it's like, every time you look at me, I want to die. I can't remember if something like that. Oh yeah. When you kiss me, I want to die. And like, like, that could be like, yeah, exactly. Like that could sound so stupid, but it's so believable the way she says it. It's so like. And it is like something a 16 year old girl would say, which like fine, but that's like, that's, you know, 16 year old girls are valid. They, they have feelings, yeah. but it girl is, talk. Like, but it's also, she delivers it in a way that makes you feel for her and understand rather than sort of like a really cheesy 
because it could be really cheesy in my opinion absolutely i mean i think she elevates it's already good material but i i think she really elevates it and this was i i rewatched the original Buffy movie with uh, Christy Swanson a couple yeah. of days ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's obviously, they're very different styles. Like, Justin directed it. He did write it. Um, but, like, Christy Swanson's Buffy is just not endearing. She's not, like, she's not super likable. Um, so mm-hmm. that really made it more glaring to me how much Sarah Michelle Gellar really does punch up those lines with her story. Yeah. Oh, yeah. She's doing so much heavy lifting in that way. Like, I think, like, you know, like, when you're a writer, you you try and deliver your best every day, but sometimes you also just need to have a line that says like, yeah, and then they went over there or whatever, right? And like she even delivers those lines so believably. And I think too, you can see it in the way, in the pilot even, when the, the younger actors all have their scenes together, the inexperienced kind of, not that they're bad, it's just like you can tell that they're not always sort of like um, uh in it with the other actor sometimes you feel like they're sort of like really focusing on the, on their performance and not the necessarily like reacting to everything and like you can see when she works with like anthony stewart head or like um uh christine sutherland in the pilot there's just an immediate like she is like with them and it reacting to them and and feeding off their energy in a way that like it takes a couple episodes when you're with people some you, when you're a newer actor it takes a little bit of time to really like f- be able to find that like on cue it's like it's a, such a skill that actors have to develop and again she'd had what 14 years of experience by this point so it really shows right from the beginning um yeah it's interesting much about the cheesiness because with the first movie i feel like it was a movie that leaned into its cheesiness like almost like like they made it intentionally like campy like it was supposed to be like this like oh it's like a vampire movie but set in a high school right so it's like it kind of had this inherent like cheesiness to it already but then when the show came out it was like it yeah it did have like yeah cheesy dialogue and stuff like you said but it was like they were passing it off more as a like almost like kind of like a, a straight like drama well and it's more self-aware melodramatic instead of yeah yeah yeah, a little bit yeah well and there's that mix of like i think like joss whedon has said like he didn't like the movie like he pictured it as more of a they made a comedy movie and he wanted a horror movie with jokes in it and i think like especially the first season of buffy um it just sort of hits all the horror tropes in a lot of ways that like later seasons kind of migrated away from that because they were much more like they had characters that they could play around with and stuff. But like those first 13 episodes, like every single episode is sort of like a classic horror story either turned on its head or like they do something slightly different with it. And like right from the beginning, it's just the show, the writing is good. The performance is good. It just like it, it hits it. And I know there people are like, you know get annoyed with joss whedon's dialogue sometimes and i think that's just like a personal choice but i don't think you can discount how good joss whedon is at um make moving moving a a tv script in a way that both hits all the bases a tv script needs to hit with like exposition and explaining stuff and balancing between like world building and explaining everything in dialogue like he's just so good at like writing a line of dialogue that both like is a call is is a setup for something actually real later while still feeling like kind of like a tossed off joke um or just in the moment and he's really good at just like every scene like it teaches you everything you need to know 
like it's good crafts craftsmanship i guess is what i'm saying and i think that's like also something that the actors can really feed off because they're not constantly trying to be like Mm -hmm. well how am i gonna how am i gonna motivate this line through character like like they don't Mm -hmm. have to do a lot of that like they don't have to do the the work of like how does this line come from my character like a lot of that is in the writing and then all the the actors really have to do is 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 sort of um make it believable and make it and 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 be be in it and and they do a great job of that too mm-hmm. yeah i'll say like i guess my my knowledge of joss whedon's writing would come more for firefly but i would say that he definitely did a good job of like telling a contained episode that still like develops like your characters and the story a bit further without it feeling like it's like like a formulaic or like like a lot of like episodic TV can kind of get characters were really, I didn't see all of Buffy, but I, from what I know, characters were like really dynamic in it. Like you have like angel who's like, the, I guess he's like a, is he a devil that becomes like good or something like a that? Vampire. A vampire. Oh, he's a vampire that becomes good. And a then vampire like, with a soul. Yeah. Yeah. With a soul. And then I know Willow has like really great uh, character development, mm-hmm. like for seasons, like getting, yeah developing powers and like going dark side and things like that and so like that's really like for me like watching tv i really gravitate to like yeah dynamic characters where it's like whoa they start out like you know good or flip bad or like they they change like yeah i think too like they change throughout the the, you know the series both the actors perform again like i think like you it's really hard to separate it's harder when you get the final product to actually separate performance from writing in, in certain senses, like, but I think like both what the actors and the, and the writing brought to the, the show as well, like was, there was a really strong core to the characters that was still like elastic enough to make them feel real. Like Mm -hmm. they did progress even in season one, there was like every episode, it felt like the character was a little bit different and a little more uh, fully rounded and, and in a way sort of like uh, responding and, and sort of like existing in the world that, that everything that had come before, like there was never a sense that you got, you felt like, Oh, that's something like a character in season one would say, but not necessarily now. It doesn't really make sense that a season four, they would say that in season four, like even within season one, I would say like from episode to episode, you really feel like the characters did sort of develop in every single episode and sort of just be in a slightly different place while still remaining true to who their character was. I think that was another really strong. I really agree with that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I get that. And I think that wasn't that common for the late nineties. Like no. there was a lot of, no, that yeah. was formulaic super episode of the That's week. what I'm saying. Like I, cause I remember I didn't, I, I didn't watch like a lot of live action TV, I think in the late nineties and early two thousands. Cause I I was just like this just seems also like generic and like like I wasn't watching this was before like I think I watched a lot of like HBO shows because I didn't have the channel well, yet. HBO and I was just like, like I, see, Sopranos was like ninety nine or two thousand. Like yeah, Buffy so, was three seasons old when yeah. that shift in TV started happening. Like right. I think Lost so was, was like, like what two thousand one. When did Lost start? Because that was might have even been later than that. But yeah, like with I. I mean, I will say this. I don't think, I don't think there is loss without Buffy to a certain extent. Like I, I'm not going to say that like loss would have never happened if Buffy wasn't on the air, but like Buffy changed what people thought, like the, it elevated, it, it made genre more palatable in the sense of like, it also started this horrible trend of every genre show having to have some kind of like, like, like 
deep message rather than just being like a fun dumb show at the same time like i think i don't think that happened that's not buffy's fault but like i remember defending the show being like no it's actually really good like there's a lot going on in it and like there's a lot of character stuff it, it's like got a metaphor to it and now it feels like everything has to every genre show that's that's also dumb can't be fun has to have that second layer or like it's sort of expected to and it's like it doesn't have to but but Buffy was sort of the start of all that to me. Like I maybe like I know Twin Peaks was before it, but Twin Peaks wasn't mm-hmm. a hit. Like I, I I think Twin Peaks. All, Did you say Twin Peaks wasn't a hit? No, it wasn't. It was like a cult hit later, right? The time, yeah. It was extremely popular. Really? Oh, okay. Yeah, I think hugely popular. Yeah, but was it like it, internationally? I know. I don't. I don't know if it was like a mega smash in the states at the time, but I know it was like it made waves in a lot of other I, countries. I feel too, like yeah. it was one of those shows that was more critically received than it was like necessarily a, like it wasn't a hit in the sense of like it did huge numbers. I guess is what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, debatable, mm. but know, yeah. and it didn't. It didn't. It didn't last as long as. But I don't know. Maybe I don't know what the fuck no, I'm only, talking about. Only two seasons. It was actually my love of Buffy that made me watch Twin Peaks because when I used to be on the Buffy forums, everyone would talk about their favorite TV shows. Yeah, and yeah. they often cited Twin Peaks as kind of um like an not an inspiration for it, but if you like Buffy, you'll also like Twin Peaks because it's weird and kind of mystical. I can, like I can right. see that, but I also see how that's a actually really bad advice. Especially I think like younger people. <laughs> like if you're like 20 already when Buffy comes out and you're like, oh yeah, Twin Peaks, man. Like Cause I, I think like I, I, I've, I've, I haven't actually watched all of Twin Peaks. That's like my great shame is that someday I'll watch it. Yeah. It's fine. It's fine. Oh man. Yeah. Well, it can be a labor of love. Like I love it. I like, I have an Audrey Horn poster on my wall that I'm staring at right now. And even to me, it's a labor of love to watch it sometimes. Okay. Interesting. I mean, it's funny because I think, Oh, what, what were you saying, Craig? No, I was just agreeing that it's interesting. Nice. Okay. Um, yeah. Cause I, I'm a huge fan of blue velvet and I think that twin peaks and blue velvet share a lot in common, like in terms of like what they're about. And like, for me, it's like the seedy underbelly of the, of the town uh, of, a, of a small town, small town life is like a big thing for me that I think David Lynch really captures in a way that I've never seen beyond right. all the weird. Anyway, twin peaks. Yeah. It's another show and I can see it definitely had overlap with Buffy. So um, but let's go back to Sarah Michelle Geller and cut this yeah. out if it's if it's too digressy. Uh, yeah, I think um, Buffy was was a success. I don't know when it really got big. I think I started watching around season two or three. I didn't watch it right from the beginning. I think season two it started to really pick up in popularity. Yeah, because the whole um, like Buffy Angel love story was huge. It was everywhere. People were obsessed. with Yeah, it. for sure. And the the shock of like the ending of season two and all of season three is just man, yeah. Still feels well. The shock of even it was mid, not mid. It was like in the second act of third act of season two where he turns into yeah. That's it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But um, but yeah, and uh, I think like that was another really thing was I found was a lot of interviews. David Boreanaz has has nothing but like like praise for Sarah Michelle Gellar. He's just like, she's so like open and like brings you, it brings you into the scene and invites you in. And like, she's so professional. Like that's literally every single interview. He says that like, it's like in four or five interviews. Yeah. He probably had, like, I would say he's probably extremely thankful because he's now like one of the biggest um, 
actors on TV, like the longest running actors who's constantly. And uh, I think you learned a lot from Sarah Michelle Gellar. Oh, for sure. Not good. No, he was not. He was broody, but he was not good. No, he was. He's like definitely the weakest link in that first season, I would say by far. It's yeah, really. Um, yeah. By the time he was on his own show, like I think he was a really yeah great actor. By the time he was on Angel, well, I think too. Also, he is a good. He's he is much broader than than Sarah. Like in terms of where his skills lie, like um, he is better at more the melodrama than he's better at like melodrama and broad comedy. Like those are really, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily have, and that's what's good for his character too, is like Angel kind of swings. Yeah. He's, he's either evil Angelus, who's kind of like an evil Looney Tune that actually hurts people or like Angel, like Angel, the, like the sad brooding guy who feels bad for all the murders he did. And that's, Uh Yeah. And yeah, to your point, um, him and Sarah Michelle Gellar seem like they're still friends. Like they'll yeah. uh, talk to each other on Instagram and things oh. like that. And she's always talking about how much she loves Buffy and Angel and yeah. David. So well, and she t- constantly talks about how she believes that, like, um, of the two, like, like she believes that um, Buffy's heart will always be with Angel. Um, yeah, blah blah blah. Yeah. I know. I've heard it. Oh <laughs> no, yeah. I think. Well, I think because, like, uh, for the, for those that don't know, like, Buffy has a, a relationship with angel and then her other big relationship on the show is with spike the other vampire who started off evil and then eventually fell in love with her and got a soul back um right and people were very torn over both whether or not buff <laughs> there was like fight over whether it was buffy or angel she was going to end up with which um i think ending the series where she ends up with neither of them is like the best the best yeah, choice strong. possibly perfect because yeah. like who oh. ends up with their high school sweetheart Losers. Right. That's no. no. <laughs> Sorry, Wes. That was a college. No, it was not. college. I mean, I married my TA. Yeah. <laughs> Even better. Oh, she just weeded you. Yes, totally. <laughs> totally. No. Um, yeah, I think so. But there was a big debate. Also, like um, part of their writing, like they specifically wrote Buffy and Spike's relationship to be toxic like that was something that they that was season six was supposed to be and i think that was kind of new on tv at the time that like two main like intentionally writing it to be toxic i think a lot of tv relationships in the 90s were written to be written to be funny and then and then and like when you looked at them it was like that's a horrible relationship but it wasn't intentional whereas like I do think that they really wrote like, and I think that's what fans actually hated was that it wasn't like a good relationship. I don't know. Less yeah, satisfying that way. I, I, I think you're right. And yeah, it would have been, I don't know. I'm of, I'm of two minds of it because I would have also, I am a Buffy Spike fan. Um, I would have loved yes. to I see them well. operate more function, like functionally, especially because in season five, you really see Spike's development. Like he goes right, from yeah. some killer into somebody who's like earnestly in love with her um or like uh, sacrifices like would sacrifice himself with dawn like very much becomes uh like a respectable man and then and then i think to achieve the kind of toxic relationship in season six that they do very well they i do feel they backslide on spike's character a little bit like he was so he was so like attentive and trying to win her love in season five and then in season six he has her and then not has her but he's sleeping with her and every step of the way he's like goading her and kind of insulting her and trying to isolate her away from her friends and 
that I that I find a bit frustrating, but yeah. overall, I do find the whole trajectory of their relationship and all the extreme highs and extreme lows fascinating. Yeah, and you weren't the only one. Um, apparently, Sarah Michelle Geller said she was not a fan of the season six relationship. Um, she said, oh, I felt it betrayed who she was. Um, and then she was saying, like, because Joss, Joss Whedon was, for that season, also running Angel and Firefly. That was the year he ran all three. Mm. So, and that was Marty Noxon took over as, as like day to day showrunner for that season. Um, yeah, I mean, I disagree with Sarah Michelle Geller on that one. Like, she thinks that like Buffy being dark and depressed in season six like betrayed the character, and that's not what people want to see. For me, I think it's even more compelling and incredible to see somebody that we've seen for five seasons be a hero, go to that dark, like plunge into complete darkness and completely lose herself, mm-hmm. and then crawl back out of that and it wasn't like a short arc buffy wasn't just depressed for a couple episodes she was no, depressed for, for sure. the entire season like borderline suicidal and i i think season six was a little bit uneven like the writing like even with willow's storyline like the notes that they tried to hit were good and important like those scoobies have become adults and um but i don't i don't know i think it I think it's strong. Like I think Buffy's storyline in season six is pretty strong. Yeah. And have you seen? Um, wait, did Buffy ever hook up with Willow in this? No. <laughs> no. Buffy's not gay. But but wait, who's the who's the actress that plays Willow? Allison Hannigan. Hannigan. Yeah. So in like a recent interview, oh, she said that she thought Buffy and yeah. Willow should end up together. No, that's she just fan that service. That's pure but, like pandering. But, but do you? There's a canon Buffy comic book, and have you have either of you looked? Yeah, yeah, yeah. The season oh, eight, yeah. nine. Ten, I don't, nine. I don't yeah. consider those real canon. And she and does. Like, <laughs> she hooks up with a female vampire slayer. Yeah. I will slayer. also say that that those comics have Dawn and Xander hook up, which is like yeah, gross yeah. as fuck. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> like very no. Like, so but, this is like this is giving like this is just like fan fiction come to life. This sounds amazing. It's, I could have written better fan fiction. I, and yeah, I, I'm not going to, I don't, I think that. It sounds like horny fan fiction that the people really want. I think the problem with, yes, absolutely. Well, that's what the Buffy fans want. I think, I think the, the problem mm-hmm. with translating them to comics is um, comics chew, comics chew through about eight times the story that, that TV shows do as well. Oh, um, and yeah. TV shows through, chew through a lot of story very quickly, especially any sort of drama that relies on sort of like turns and twists. And like Buffy is like a turny, twisty, emotional character uh, relationship driven show. So I'm I'm not, I'm gonna say like yeah, like there was no way once it hit comics that it was gonna be able to maintain sort of the because the pace oh, yeah. that they had to move through the, all that stuff. I think the one funny story I did like was sort <laughs> it was of the, only a matter of time. Before I can't, you yeah, yeah. I can't remember whether this was also in the show or not, but that like Xander was still hanging out with Dracula. I think that was the only yeah. part that I liked. And I was like, that makes sense. I I've had relationships with, with like older dudes that I looked up to like that, where I was like, I was like worshiping them and they were just like being dicks to me. Um, not yeah. like fully dicks, but like they sort of like saw me as like an annoying little brother. Um, but also the relationship wasn't like entirely healthy. Um, and it's also just, it was also just funny, this idea of like Xander going and hanging out with Dracula whenever he kind of got <laughs> kicked out of the house by Anya or whatever. Um, uh, yeah. we're digressing I, a lot, but I mean, um, that was a part of the show that I liked though, is like, it was, it, it didn't have to take itself like 
as seriously all the time. Like it could. Oh, it for could sure. Do, like it could do zany things every now and then, and you wouldn't really question it. Well, because they did. Yeah, they would do like the. Um, I think the the biggest one for me was like it was season one or two. They do a very serious episode. I think it was. Um, I don't even remember. Oh no, they did like yeah, like season two, the start of season two, the first episode like just hits you with like the master might be coming back. Uh, Buffy is like, has all this like trauma from, from that, from yeah. dying and everything. And she can't get the master out of her head. And then she just like, the episode ends with her like smashing his skeleton, just like, and that's like, that's to me is like really where the, like they nailed that, that sort of tone too, in a way. And it was like, once they opened, that was such a great episode to open the season on because it was mm-hmm. like, no, we're not going to fucking go back. We're not going to do a season where it's like, is the master coming back? Ooh, it's like, nope, she's going to, she's going to process this and she's going to deal with it and it's going to be messy and ugly, but she's going to move forward and she's going to be a person beyond that. And I, and I think the next episode was like the stupid hyena episode or like, it was a very like light tone episode. Um, yeah. Assembly required. Where yes. Ilya <laughs> Like, yes, with, like nice. the Frankenstein, yeah, the Frankenstein um, football guy. Uh, right. Like a like, one-off thing, like a clearly, yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the actor on that was clearly like forty-five, Absolutely. and they tried to yeah. pass him off as like in his twenties. That's, that's my favorite. <laughs> oh no, sorry, I lied. That I was episode it. three. This, uh, you know what? No. Either way, Continue. we can we can check it. You guys. It, this is what the the, re, the listeners will scream at us about on their into their headphones. So um, yeah, it's awesome you know episode titles. Yeah, I think so. Off the success of Buffy, um, Sarah Michelle Gellar started doing a lot more movies. Um, again, she did uh, Cruel Intentions, which is a really great movie. Um, she's a yeah. great character in that, um, and she has so much. She had like she should have brought that experience to the Willow relationship. I mean, that's what the fans. Wes is just wanted. really. <laughs> <laughs> really harping Save on it that for one, your man. fan fiction Wes. Have, yeah all right do your own right. fanfic uh, bro same to even me need to consult you for my buffy fanfic are you yeah <laughs> no i'm taking notes i'll send you a draft yeah. later she okay. charges 20 cool. an hour 20 a word i don't know whatever um sweet yeah and i think so she started doing movies um and that was where she all she met like she was already like dating slash basically married to freddie prince jr um i've heard all kinds of rumors about that relationship i still don't know what to think they're still together because to me like i literally tweeted the other day that their marriage is the only reason i still yeah yeah they're the only marriage i feel like they have one of the longest going like celebrity marriage because i've heard rumors that he was like very controlling and that's part of the reason she never she she never did more stuff which i think is bullshit because like she did lots of stuff i think i heard that too i heard that from you maybe though i know because i don't think i've ever said it but like and like (laughs) freddie prince jr i don't know like people are like oh like what does she see in that guy other like other than that he's hot or whatever i'm like what have you talked to him blair from wing commander uh yeah he did he did do that movie no but like if you watch him like he's he's like a he's kind of a a a bro-y italian guy but like he's like a really he's like a really genuine guy and like you can see like why why like beyond his his features like why women are attracted to him because and apparently he's a cook he's like a a, um like a a very good cook so yeah. yeah they're really into cooking i see that she's got like she's got a bunch of like cooking videos and she's like yes baking stuff yeah, with shannon doherty every day yeah 
called Foodsters. Foodsters. Oh, it's on the okay, Wikipedia yes. page. This is all in, guys, this is all in my document. I don't know why you didn't. <laughs> I don't know I why you this cooking page. I'm right, a right? follower of her Instagram. Yeah, I followed her on Instagram when we decided to do this episode. It was really great. She's Right. Yeah. It's be I love it too because for so long Sarah Michelle Geller was not on any social yeah. media. I think mm. not until like five or so years ago. She did didn't do she didn't do a lot of like Buffy behind the scenes mm-hmm. stuff, like almost none of it. She's yeah. not in like any right. of this stuff. That is true though. I feel like she did stop acting at like like a high point in her career. Well but did she did she have kids? She did, did have kids. They, they, they I think okay. just after Ooh, Buffy, basically. And she did like she was in a bunch I think like the problem was they didn't have roles for her in movies because she did this mold breaking role of Buffy. And like all of the movies she then did were like horror movies where she basically like like in both Scream and I Know What You Did Last Summer, she just plays the role that Buffy subverts. She's just like the the mm-hmm. dumb party girl. And then mm-hmm. finally in like I guess like Scooby-Doo, she played Daphne, but that's still like, you still like, you can do stuff with that because you're deliberately being like, ha, like we're not going to be like the cartoon, but it's still Daphne. So I think they just like, I don't, I think it was Hollywood failed her. They didn't have the roles for her. Like if anything. Could be, could be, but I I, like, did you think, do you think she was hunting for them or do you think she was just like, you know what? I've had, I've acted since I was super young. Maybe I'm just done with acting now. I'm ready to just Mm. be a mom for the rest of my life. I think there's something to that. Like I did read an interview with her once where she said like, I've already done the greatest role on the greatest show. Anything after that is icing on the cake, which I think is a really um, good way to approach it. That takes the pressure off. But I will also say as much as I absolutely love Sarah Michelle Gellar, I think she's an incredible actress. And I think she elevates like every role that she does. She made a lot of bad movie choices. Like I think she picked movies that like her character was interesting but the movie itself, like, yeah. I just watched Suburban Girl, which was like a romantic comedy that. with her and Alec Baldwin. I just rewatched it last night, and it's fine. Well, and yeah. the Air I Breathe, I actually like own all these DVDs because I was so obsessed with her. I ordered them and um, when I was young. Like the Air I Breathe, bad. Um, Southland Tales. No, okay. Well, <laughs> Me and Joe I need to watch Southland Tales. I will Sweet. dissent on Southland yeah. Tales. Southland Tales is not bad. <laughs> Okay, sorry. <laughs> it is it is ambitious and it fails on so many levels. I think yeah. I, I also like I have a really soft spot for Richard Kelly. He's probably one of my I think he's a better writer than he is a director. Yeah. Um and I think there's a lot going on in that movie. And like he wrote it to he wrote six graphic novels that you were supposed to read as companions to the movie, but then they never mm-hmm. promoted them. That's and I read them movie. and they still don't really tell you everything, and that's part of it. <laughs> Um, and, but, and again, I think he's great in all of these roles, and I yeah. think all of the roles are interesting. Like the roles that she plays in them are interesting, but the movies as wholes, she just like she just picked a couple in a row, like four in a row that just like were box office. Yeah, like definitely could have carved out a niche in like the like I I know what you did last summer, like Scream. She could have been like the new Scream Queen, I think, if she really. But I don't think to. she. Well, she did a few. She did the Grudge. The Grudge yeah, was good. Like, yeah. Like one of yeah. her, the um the garage is one of her best performing movies for sure right, yeah and I just think like yeah, they're still making those yeah I think also like that's where her sort of like professionalism in a way hurt her because it does sort of seem like she was just like taking what like being like oh I can work I'll work right like and I right. think that's sort of like that's a that could, that, that is both like yeah. a lot of actors they have that. to do that just to survive but like because she sort mm-hmm. of took that she she is like a a, a very professional like 
And it was sort of like she would take whatever sort of like was offered or maybe not. I don't know. Like, I don't know the details, but it felt like she was just like, I could see that I'm going to work and I'm going to do a bunch of work and something will sort of hit or whatever yeah. too. So I think maybe that was part of it. I know because Christopher Walken apparently never says no to anything. He just works. So he's actually in a ton of movies. It's just a bunch of movies never come out or get like shelved or don't get marketed. So a lot of his appearances, you just don't hear about them until years later. So I, I don't I don't think it's exactly the same thing, but I think I, it's that same attitude from her of like, yeah. this is a job, so I'm going to take this job. Yeah, and maybe. I think... I, yeah, I think that might have been some of it because I do remember like her those movies that came out like right around the time she was like that like the it girl, and it it was just like yeah maybe if she maybe if like some of those scripts had been better like her career would have been carried and at more, the time if, saying that she wanted it to but yeah. at the time it wasn't there wasn't that crossover that we see now of like you were a tv actor and that right. meant you weren't good right. enough to be in movies in a lot of ways yeah, it was changing time, then but i don't yes. know hmm. yeah now it's like tv is almost like i think the wave of the future and like getting in that really awesome like you know series is almost like a more coveted uh thing than being in like you know a, a really good movie right now almost but well totally yeah, yeah. Well, I, think... I, I agree and sarah michelle geller there was a a pilot called The Wonderful Maladies that was written and they even shot it. And I got my hands on the script for it a couple years ago. And I'm still to this day so sad it didn't get made. Her character in it was so excellent. The script was so like, um, it was about like three um, siblings. They're now at like their parents died when they were children. They're now adults and all very maladjusted. And her character especially was uh, just very assertive and destructive and but like so funny. And I just... I, I really can't get over it. Like the wonderful maladies to me is wait. The and Molly Parker was going to play the other sister. Cause like the, those are like my two, like, like teenage crushes. Those were like, oh God, the, Adam Driver was going to be said. That's funny. And Adam Scott was going to be in it. I'm yeah. It's, page. it's truly amazing. Yeah. Ugh. Even like Nate Cordry, who's not like a big guy, but like, I recognize him from stuff like that. Yeah. This does look like something. Yeah. I would be into as well. Oh my God. All right. You can probably yeah. still find the script on the internet. And yeah, I'm tragic. Well, even like some of her other stuff, like she did that show with Robin Williams that never picked up, took off. And I never watched yeah, it, but watched it. Um, TV show. Yeah. And she did Ringer, which was Ringer, like, yeah. Oh, wait. Like oh, okay. That's what I was thinking of. Ringer. Yeah. Very like, like that, like, like, yeah. Like, again, like icing drama. Um, yeah. Almost like daytime soap with a lot more violence, basically, in a way. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think like you're right. right. Uh, so she did a bunch of movies. Like even Harvard Man was sort of like this weird indie drama that was good, and she was good in it, but it was never going to be like a hit, right? Yeah. Um, that was actually wow. I found a bunch of quotes from her from her interview in Harvard Man, and she says she says like I'm not Buffy in my private life. Um, I'm Sarah. Sometimes actors can lose themselves. You play so many different parts, and you spend so little time with yourself that it's nice to have a private life. And I think that's also very telling about her, maybe her experiences on Buffy and that she did lose herself in the character. And she's sort of like, because that character was so much like her in a lot of ways when she was that age, it's, it feels like she probably did start to do that and then really had to sort of like learn how to separate those while still doing, doing the best she could. Yeah, I think that makes, that's, that's a good theory in my opinion. I feel like that could have been 
what you're into. Why, thank you. Interesting. I was just I was just looking at too. So that series with Robin Williams was called The Crazy Ones, mm-hmm. and apparently she was like she was a huge fan of Robin Williams. Oh yeah, and mm-hmm. wanted wanted to work alongside him like really bad. So she called Bobcat uh, Goldthwait. White. Yeah, and because he's good friends with Robin Williams, and asked his wife to ask Bobcat to like put in a good word with her. That's awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. Buffy called for you. Yeah. 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 You want to meet Buffy the Vampire? <laughs> Buffy the Vampire, Slayer, and Mork for Mork together again. Right. That, yeah. I kind of want to watch that now. Um, I, I haven't watched it since before uh, 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 Robin Williams died. So be interesting. It's it's tough to watch his movies sometimes now, um, but that's a whole other thing. It seems to me that she was she's like sent some pretty strong signals as to what her intentions are, right? Like she recognizes that the series that she was on was like kind of the pinnacle, you know, doesn't get much better than that mm-hmm. from her own, you know, from her own words. And anything beyond that is just like cherry a cherry on top mm-hmm. kind of thing. So she feels around a little bit, does a few other things here and there and then like maybe dives into having a private life (laughs) yeah and i mean that's the nice thing is like once you've been on a series like buffy like you can write your own ticket you don't have to do anything else like that's the other thing too is like she doesn't have to and she met obviously met this guy she loves and she wants to have a family with him so there you go starts there was an interesting oh go ahead sandy oh no i was just gonna say i i really admire that like you you know i work in the film industry we all do in a sense and we see so many people just work and work and work their whole lives and they don't see their like they don't see their wives or husbands they don't see their kids and um despite the fact that they've made so much money they still have this innate constant desire to work and i think i love that sarah michelle geller just stepped back and just had a normal life like she's just like a not just a cute mom but she's a cute mom she has like her kids and she just seems happy you know it's social media so well, you know, who knows everything's performative but i think that's the power of like sarah michelle geller is even her performances she brings her she brings herself to them and like that's probably true with everything she does on social media because it's a performance but it feels like it's a performance that at least like is grounded in her which i think like yeah, feels, and yeah. it just seems like she values like her quality of life above her career which is honestly incredible and yeah yeah, it's a great example. More people could do that. She yeah, was one absolutely. of the big people, along with Kristen Bell, uh, pushing like when the whole thing with like because Kristen Bell came out and said like I don't want paparazzi taking pictures of my kids. I think like that's really like that that was sort of like a change because they used to be that like every celebrity's kids would get pictures, and it still happens. Like it just feels like it's less common now. But like there was a bunch of interviews with her specifically talking about like backing up Kristen Bell and sort of saying like I don't want people taking pictures of my kids. I've had people swear at my kids to try and get reactions and stuff like that and it was like you know that's a hard thing to say to to the culture a culture especially at the time like this was like a few years ago like maybe even 10 years ago where it was just expected that oh you're famous well shut the fuck up you're famous let let us take pictures of your kids when you're like dropping Mm -hmm. them off at daycare and shit like that like so yeah Yeah. um and and uh which is to also say (laughs) Veronica Mars and Buffy the Vampire Slayer were talking. Yeah, I love them. They're friends. <laughs> they're friends. <laughs> My two favorite ass kicking little blondes. Yeah. Amazing. Yep. Yep. They are they are two of a kind. I 
I, I always think about Veronica Mars because I didn't, I never watched it at the time. I watched it years later. Um, it is, that's another show that's like, again, in that same sort of vein, but it distinguishes itself so well at the same time. Yeah. Um, and you can see why there's a comparison, like you said, like, but it's also like, they're such different shows too. Mm-hmm. It's really cool. Completely. Um, okay, wait. <laughs> Sorry. I'm, I'm going through, I'm going through, uh, a bunch of stuff on Sarah Michelle Geller. I got, I got a fun fact here. A fun fact. Yeah. In, yeah. in two thousand seven, Geller was featured in Vaseline's "Skin Is Amazing" campaign, <laughs> and she starred in this campaign with three other actors. Can you name any of those? No. Actors? Sandeep. In a Vaseline. Go, go two thousand seven. Go back to your two thousand seven mind. Yeah, see, two thousand seven. I was so not like paying attention to Buffy stuff anymore. Just think of who the. I don't think I had a TV in two thousand seven. The hottest, like young stars, might have been in two thousand seven. And it was two. The two that I'm thinking, two of them were like in direct competition with each other. They were like fighting to be like the new it girl. Okay, Lindsay Lohan. Let me know. Oh my god! Very close. Hillary Duff is one of them. Amanda Bynes. You got it. Oh my god! But guess who the other one was? Um, I'm like, have I seen this? Was it, it wasn't Charisma <laughs> yeah. Carpenter, was it? You'll never get it. It has a it has a Luigi connection, though. Oh, was it? What's her name from the Mario Bros. movie? I don't even. Remember. They were in the Mario Bros. movie. <laughs> just, just tell no, us. no looking it up, Joe. Just tell us. It's John Leguizamo. Uh, John Leguizamo. Wait, John Leguizamo <laughs> was in a Vaseline commercial. With, yeah. with Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Okay. And Amanda Bynes and Hillary Duff. Can you please yeah. put that on the document so we can link it when the show comes out? I want people it's to on, see it's on. Oh it's God. on our Wikipedia page if you're if you link to Wikipedia page. We'll find it. Okay. Um, listen, I think, yeah, amazing. Buffy Vaseline commercial. Um, yeah, I think... Uh, she did, she did Buffy. She did a bunch of movies and she was just clearly running a grueling schedule. Um, oh man. Yeah. Doing Buffy and she did like two movies, like in the same year, I think literally every interview from like, from like in, from that period, from like 99 to 2004, she's there. There She's like, Oh yeah, I just finished on this movie and we're about to shoot Buffy or, Oh yeah, I just yeah. finished on Buffy and we're about to shoot this movie. It's just like, and it's a different movie every time. Because so, how many how many episodes were in Buffy season? They did like twenty some odd episodes. Twenty two. Uh, the, yeah. the first one the was first thirteen. Was yeah, well, twelve or thirteen. Yeah, were, I don't know. I forget. Were they? Sorry. Were they like thirty minute episodes or were they no hour, hour long? Episodes? They yeah. were hour long episodes. Oh yeah. my god, that's a grueling. That's the one yeah. thing I don't. I don't. I. I. I think like on there are a few ups to it, and if and a lot of downs is 24, 20, 20 to twenty four episodes of television in a season is like. Especially the blurst, yeah. especially oh for the crew. The yeah, because <laughs> didn't, yeah, I don't want to, this is sort of digressing, but did Falling Skies do 12 or was that 24? I can't remember. No, we did 12. Okay, then maybe, I don't think I ever worked on a 24 show, but I've worked on so many 12 shows, especially like action dramas and anything with sci-fi or fantasy elements. Oh, um, it's it's already grueling when you're doing Yeah, like all the CW hero shows, yeah. like and like Supergirl and all that shit. Yeah, yeah I've, I've done gay calls on those anyway. But yeah, it's a grueling schedule. And so she was adding movies on top of that. So right. just truly like, like, and, and that so, probably also speaks to why she ended up going, find, like really 
retreat, like have it, having a strong personal life. Cause like she probably wasted about five or six, it was not wasted, sorry, but like spent five or six years not, uh, not like not having a personal life basically. So, yeah. I mean, yeah, probably more than that, but yeah. So worth that. Yeah. Um, I think we, yeah. Uh, so Buffy and season six ends and the show, what W the WB decides not to pick up Buffy, which was like an interesting thing. Season five. That's what it was. Yeah. And I always forget that now. Um, they were, they were potentially willing to, they were willing to pick it up because it was one of their biggest shows, like their flagship show, but um, they didn't want to give them, give it as much money as just Right. Wanted. That's what it was. UPN was like willing to pad the pockets more. Yeah. So they went with UPN. Maybe that's what sunk UPN. What do you think? I don't know. What sunk UPN? Yeah, UPN doesn't exist anymore. I don't think. Oh, that like um, <laughs> giving Buffy all of its yeah. money. Is what yeah, that's what I think. I don't know. Maybe not. I, I could be wrong. UPN heads hit us up. <laughs> I know nothing yeah. about UPN except that Buffy was on it for its final. Really? Yeah, that was the oh, same that... here. That was the only reason I cared. And I watched it on YTV because that was the Canadian broadcast <laughs> yeah, okay. of it. Yeah, so, that's yeah. what I started liking it. I always thought that she like she called quits. On she it. did. She Season like, seven. She Well, the, the headline oh, okay. was that so, she wouldn't. She said she didn't want to do another season. Or that I I don't know I I send deep do you kind of remember the context around it? To me, from what I've read, it sounds like her and Joss Whedon mutually made the decision right, to kind yeah. of go out. Um, she was very always clear that she wanted to go out like on a creative high note. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't sound like she strong armed Joss Whedon to it. It sounds like they were both kind of like okay. And at that point, he was also focusing on Angel and. Um, yeah, he didn't care anymore. Um, I don't mean that in a bad way. I just mean like he had so many other things going he was ready, on. I think he was ready to move on. Yeah. And I'm glad that they ended when they did. Yeah. Like, like seven was already, um, you know, kind of a little bit shaky. So I, I'm, I'm, I'm also glad they just ended while things were Yeah, because yeah. like you think of like how many shows get seven seasons that are good, that are at oh least God, like, 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 you know, they're good episodes. And the, you still, you still care about the characters today. and they feel like the characters, like, like, like I think of like three shows that have more than seven seasons and like the best example of that is the office and like everything after season eight is like really hit or miss. Yeah. Basically. Yeah. The last season of the office. I don't even know. Like a lot of people think like the last five seasons of the office were terrible, but I don't know. I'm not. Yeah. I think ever since Michael Scott left, it wasn't very good. Well, yeah. And that's the thing. And it's like, imagine if they had continued the show without Sarah Michelle Gellar, it would have been like (laughs) even worse. Yeah. Um, but there was like find... a, a whole I, I she did an interview with EW the magazine at the time and there was an interview it didn't it's not on EW's website but like a fan site transcribed it but the fan site has like the frames inside so it cuts off half the interview so I had to like copy paste it to a text document to read it uh, but I've linked it and she yeah she basically oh, yeah. says what Sandeep is saying like um, I want to go out on a high note. I was 18 when I started the show. I'm 26 now. I'm married. I never see my husband. Uh, this has been the longest span of my life yeah. in one oh, place. Yeah, yeah. Like she, I think that was the thing. Like there was like a, a kind of a thing where Allison, they asked Allison Hannigan, like who is the most annoyed 
with Buffy by the end. And she was like, oh, Sarah, for sure. And people kind of took it as Sarah, like not wanting to be there or like being whatever. And then she had to kind of explain like, no, no, she was just like, it was seven seasons. She was ready to be done. Of course she was ready to be done by that point. And like, yeah, yeah, yeah I would be too. Fair. Yeah, I was actually just looking at a, there's a quote from her, her Wikipedia page that, that says, this isn't about leaving for a career in movies or in theater. It's more of a personal decision. I need a rest. Yeah, like a seven seasons is a, is a that's seven years of your life. That's almost a decade of your life, especially when you start at 18. Like, no wonder, you, of course, you're going to be mm. ready to be done and do something else. Yeah, like well, and also, this is what I when the project is like should be ending it should yeah be yeah exactly like, you know you don't yeah. want the, the series to go into 10 seasons and for the everyone to be like oh those last two seasons they didn't need to yeah right. absolutely right i heard i heard that a similar situation developed on the the game of thrones set oh, where I'm it's sure. like they could have offered the actors like so much money to do you know a ninth season and then but it was just like so many of these actors had been like working on these like these grueling sets for so many years it was just like no it's we just want it's to be tough done it. and yeah. and like honestly yeah go out on the high note like she always strikes me as someone who understands that stuff really well too and like she was the one that kept saying we're going out on a high note going out on a high note like i think clearly she really did and yeah um good for her good for you sarah i'm yeah. sure you care yeah. what i think okay. Yeah. Um, just because you can keep going oh she listens and yeah i just um i think like really like she really was um she really did drive the show in in so many ways um and more so than even a lot of other leading actors at the time i think really drove and made that character like you always watch and you see sort of like there's always an, a, a mix of like the writers adapting to the actor's performance and the actor's performance adapting to the writing. But I think I think that the, one of the smartest things of Buffy was they really did write to her playing the character like like there's just so much in there in those early episodes that then you can see the writers really filling into the details the choices that she made as an actress, just the little things she did that aren't even just like the way she says lines or the way she, the way she does certain things that then they really brought to the show in the future and that she kept bringing. And I think like, like I said, like, I just don't, I don't see this show being the same without her. Like, yeah, again, like imagine if Katie Holmes had done this, it would have just not been the same. And, and you can't, I think, I think the thing was like, yeah, Buffy became this like hit and then this big like, oh, strong female characters, feminist success, whatever. Um, and I don't think she got enough credit for her role in that. She should be like, in a way, the feminist icon that people for a time made Joss Whedon out to be. So, yeah. <laughs> Completely. Uh, her performance, like as we've said, is so much of what makes it like she infused so much femininity into Buffy. And I've always really loved the idea that, you know, you hear this term strong female character so much, but to me, strong is being able to be, you know, like kick ass, but not denying like the feminine side of you. Like I've always stuck to the idea that like I can be wearing lipstick and high heels and still be the most powerful person in the room and that my feminine side shouldn't take away from the strong side of me. And in fact, they can complement each other and bring it up more. So Sarah Michelle Gellar till the very end, season one through season seven, like Buffy is tough, the most badass, but she's also so cute. Like she's often just so cute and so sweet and 
that is she really she really it just can't be stated enough how much she brings that i think that's a really good point and i think what you said about her being cute and not only cute but vulnerable like like there are fight scenes where when she gets hit they they cut to a reaction shot of her and she's terrified and there's just Mm -hmm. like it she plays that that's that that young um confidence like really a really fragile confidence that a lot of young women like her have like a, a woman who does have a certain amount of power or whatever um that you know and 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 sorry men do this too i think like young people who have a lot of confidence how easily it's shattered for them when something goes mm-hmm. wrong i think she plays that in a really genuine way that doesn't that doesn't take away from that character's strength either and it it reinforces it in a way of like that's part of the show's dynamic is power and and being powerful and being powerless which is like something joss whedon's kind of obsessed with um mm-hmm. and i think she plays that so well of like it's like a Harrison Ford in a way it reminds me of, of like when he plays Indiana Jones, especially, but even like Han Solo or, you know, all of his characters in, in like the fugitive, like you always can tell when he's terrified, but just going for it. And I think she mm-hmm. brings that to Buffy in a really powerful way of like, there's no, she, she's only doing this cause there's nobody else. Nobody else can do it. And she knows that. And she's mm-hmm. still like, she's still playing this character of like, who is like half the time, just like she says, I, someone's like, oh, there's that famous line of like, you're just a girl. And she's like, that's what I keep saying. And the way she delivers it, not only, but just like, that is such an essence of Buffy of like, she just wants to be a normal 16 year old girl, but she can't. And she knows that. And she recognizes the responsibility and takes it on, even though mm-hmm. it's the, it's like so hard for her. And, and she never plays it like, she never she never doesn't let you know that it's weighing on her she you can always tell that it's weighing on her and that's such a quiet great performance note that like yeah a lesser actor would never be able to nail i think in a lot of ways Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yeah and that's what sells so much of like the season five finale which is my favorite episode of buffy i mean it's it's hard to choose one out of its catalog but i would what's that episode again um, it's the gift. It's the one where at the end of it, she like sacrifices herself and jumps into the portal and like dies, like actually spoilers. dies for, yes, we are <laughs> spoilers, 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 spoilers. Um, and, <laughs> no. and she ramps up to it all season. Like that's the season that yeah. her mother died. Um, and that's the season that Dawn is introduced and we see her come into all these, um, new and different roles and become more herself as like the slayer um and as a girlfriend and as like a guardian to dawn and by the end of it um she has this like beautiful exchange with giles she's like i just don't get it like i don't under like when i was 16 i killed angel and i knew i had to do it um but now like if dawn dies that's it i don't i don't understand how to live in this world if these are the choices and she ramps up to it like it's just such a beautiful transformation throughout and at the hands of like a less skilled actress it wouldn't it wouldn't have played so well and if you want to look at sarah michelle gellar's skill as an actress just look at the body episode oh yeah yeah absolutely yeah Yeah, when she finds joyce's body and like again it's a great example of like performance and writing supporting each other so well of like that the whole scene of her like finding joyce's body and then freaking out and then sort of like having that moment of being a little girl whose mom just died um that could be played so hamily and so badly if you're not, if you don't approach it right. And the way she does it is just so like, it's that, that note of like, 
like no matter how strong she gets like um she still is like a girl who now doesn't have her mom anymore and her mom is like again like the series joyce is so important to buffy and is like Uh her 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 only parent so it's just so yeah that whole episode is like brilliance upon brilliance i think um yeah, and you hear Joss Whedon really praise her for it because she's obviously knocking out of the park and delivering a really emotional performance. And he's like, I made her do it. You know, I would make her do those like long takes like seven, eight times in a row mm-hmm. and she would just nail it every single time. Yep. And she, wow. it's interesting because she fought uh, Joss on the choice to kill off uh, Joyce. Or so, so she <laughs> says, which isn't like, again, like that was, that's from the 20 year later reunion. And I get, I get on a level of like being like, probably like being like, I don't want Christine Sutherland to not be on the show anymore. Like I want to hang out with, with Christine Sutherland and all that stuff. Um, but it is, it is like, it makes the series and it really nails home that like, yeah, you're not going back to high school. The show is never going back to high school. We're not going to reboot with magic to go back to high school. Um, and I think like, again, like you said, like, she may not have been happy with that choice or maybe at the time she didn't, she thought differently, but she still did it. And she, and she, and when they decided that's the direction they were going, she went with it and she did it in the, in the best possible way. Um, Yeah. And it's my favorite season. Season five is my favorite season. Well, in season five, they also wrote, they didn't know if they were going to get picked up for another season after that. So they had to write it and, and perform it like a possible series finale. So, and it works. So, so yeah, if you, if you don't want to watch season six and season seven, um yeah yeah. <laughs> yeah watch them i recommend them but it does the gift is like would have been a beautiful yeah. series on its own but i'm so happy that buffy got to be resurrected and yeah live up all right the rest of well sandeep you said Dope. gift is your favorite episode i'm gonna actually say that the body was by far my favorite episode i know that's pretty terrible uh, no, it's, it's not terrible. It's, I, I think like it really to me it was like the first time i watched the show and was like, oh, you can do this on a science fiction show, like or like a whatever, like a not like ser- serious show at the time. Like my 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 seventeen year old brain or twenty year old brain was just like, oh, TV shows can do this. That's cool. Like, I've never seen a TV show do this before. So, yeah, um, I think it's like greatest strength is also its weakness is that it's just not weak, but like it's just so hard to watch it's so devastating my, like i start crying the episode yeah. before oh, yeah. in anticipation <laughs> and i just saw the whole it's, next episode and then the episode after that it's, like, yeah the whole thing is crushing and my wife stopped watching the show <laughs> she was like when she uh, i was like so i'm gonna warn you that like this is the season where joyce dies and we got to that episode and it started and she was like i can't i can't do this i can't watch the show anymore she just stopped uh, watching the show so um Buffy like her that's it's definitely not her kind of show either so I think that was also part of it but it was just like yeah um but yeah um yeah I think that's that's pretty much what I wanted to cover I don't know if anyone else has any other thoughts uh I did not realize that two of you had not really watched the show I thought you guys were a little more familiar so sorry if you were kind of just sitting by was it? I don't know I thought I, it was really interesting I enjoyed it one thing I wanted to throw in there that I I was also Team Spike because yeah. Spike, Spike played Piccolo in the live-action Dragon Ball Z movie. Wes is just like a collector of of terrible movies, of, of terrible of flop movies, flop I, cult movies. I really am. Yeah, I, I, Wing Commander, I Dragon Ball Z, them. Chaos Theory, I or whatever it was. Enjoy them. Yeah, they 
it's yeah it's just a mystery how they ever got made and it's a treasure that they did yeah one last thing i will say about uh the buffy spike thing is um whatever like i know i think sarah michelle geller didn't like season five but she did she does say over and over again like um she's like i don't think there's a i don't think i need to choose one or the other because she's like i think like there's there's buffy and angel and then like but spike understands a part of buffy that nobody else does and i think she really got that too about that that dynamic is like they're like that spike is the closest to 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 buffy in that sense of like no one else knows what it's like to be the slayer and he's he comes the closest in sort of understanding what she goes through in those ways and i think that she clearly played to that so again sarah michelle geller just really understanding her material and knocking it out of the park yeah, I agree. He, underst- yeah, he understood her darkness. Yes, exactly. Uh, everyone else loved her, like, not because she was a hero, but loved, like, the light parts of her. Yeah. And Spike really nourished and responded to, like, the darker parts of her. Mm-hmm. So Let's call her MSG instead of SMG. I'll cut that out. <laughs> <laughs> no, keep it in. Monsters, <laughs> I'll in. allow it. Uh, Monosodium glutamate. I've got to admit, I definitely had a less sophisticated or even informed perspective on um, the series in particular, but I would say certainly on on Sarah Michelle Gellar's career or like her, like, yeah, I don't know. Well, she did persona. She did disappear. She disappeared for a long time. Like she was, she was, she just kind of was like, went from being everywhere um, to just sort of being like, um, I guess, like a having a private life. So, yeah, and I think that how dare she? Maybe for <laughs> my age when that was happening, that probably just caused yeah. me to kind of gloss over it, which is you know partially unfair, but partially just the way things. Go. I mean, it took me. But this was super interesting to dive into. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, it took me like basically like twenty years because I started watching the show when I was fifteen. I'm thirty five now, and. Uh, Took me 30, 20 years to realize, to, to kind of realize how, how powerful she was to that show. And like, not that I didn't know it to a certain extent, but to, to kind of articulate it and, and even get to this point. So, and I'm glad Sandeep could be here. Thank you, Sandeep, for coming on the podcast. Hey, yeah, thanks so much for uh, having me. You, yeah, that was great. You got any plugs? You want to plug anything? Uh, not really. You can follow me on Twitter if you want. I have like 12 Twitter followers, so I'd yeah. love a 13th and 14th. Throw, throw some uh, followers. What's your at? Certainly. Uh, yeah, Sandipity, S-A-N-D-E-E-P-I-T-Y. And uh, yeah, thanks again for having me. Yeah, thanks. Um, you can follow. Welcome. Yeah, thank, thank you again, Sandeep. And you can follow us. Uh, we're at two, the number two bananas pod on Twitter and Instagram. Um, I'm at Stop Joe Now on Twitter and Instagram. Wes. Uh, you can follow me. I'm at Wes Walcott on Twitter and at, no, no, sorry. I'm at Wes Walcott on Instagram. I'm at W2Dubs on Twitter. And Craig, where can we follow you? Uh, to the Nowhere. Yeah, we trolled store. you. We trolled everybody. Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks everyone for listening to Second Bananas in this episode. Uh, let us know your thoughts about Sarah Michelle Geller. Uh, please um, give us some ratings and reviews in the iTunes store. That really helps us out. Uh, five stars only, please. Don't do not do anything less. If you're bringing anything less, don't bother. Uh, and uh, we'll right. see you next time. Well, we don't know what we're doing yet, but it'll be fun. Bye. Yeah, it'll be a good one. Thanks, folks. Take care. Bye. Bye.